What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Weighing In with Worm. I'm your host, Worm Buffelli, and I just want to thank you for joining me. So before we get this podcast rolling, I want to ask you guys a question. Are you guys looking to upgrade your mower? Are you needing a new snowblower for the upcoming wrestling season? If you are, go no further than Raider Outdoor Power, located at 2580 Rockdale Road in Key West. The good folks at Raiders will make sure you are set up for the season to have your lawn looking like a pro-level golf course or get that snow off your driveway so you can get to where you're going in a hurry. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring the podcast, Raider Outdoor Power. The running joke in wrestling is look good, feel good, wrestle good. And if you want to look good, stop and see my friend Anna at King's Cuts by Anna. Located in Dubuque, she is one of the best barbers in all around. She'll get you cleaned up, lined up, whatever you need to make sure you're feeling good, looking good, so you can wrestle good. Download the Booksy app today, search for King's Cuts by Anna, and schedule your appointment today. Tell her Jeremy sent you. Coaches, are you looking for new warm-ups for your team? Maybe a fan shop? Something local and high quality? Don't waste any more time and email Jeremy at X-Grain Sportswear. Located in Piasta, Jeremy will make sure you have custom mock-ups done fast and garments at a high quality at a fraction of the price of the leading brands. Email Jeremy at x-grain.com today and let's make your mark. Are you looking to restore rusty old metal parts to like new conditions or protect brand new components with durable, attractive, long-lasting finishes? Lane's Custom Steel, located in Benton, Wisconsin, can help with the metal finishings and metal coatings. Offering a full range of custom metal restoration using power coating for individuals and businesses. Contact Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's lanes, L-A-N-E-Z, customsteel at gmail.com. Let's get this podcast rolling. All right, guys, welcome back. Today we have Eddie Smith. Eddie was a four-time state qualifier, three-time placer from Sauk Prairie High School in Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. He also was a two-time NCAA All-American for Loris College with a career record of 89-33. and 33. He is currently competing in Greco-Roman for the, on the UWW scene, trying to make a run in the 2024 Olympic Games for Greco. He is a six-time age-level All-American in Greco-Roman. Eddie, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So before we begin, I did bring up Sauk Prairie. You know, you're from Wisconsin. This is the Dubuque County Wrestling Podcast, but your lineage is, I always like to call it the Dubuque's first family of wrestling, the Smiths. Do you want to talk about your family for a little bit? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a big reason I ended up going to Loris, was my grandparents are still here. Um, my uh, th- Two of my uncles and my aunt and my dad all graduated. Um, well, sorry, one of my uncles graduated from Warburg. One from Loris. Uh, my aunt graduated from Loris. And my dad graduated from Loris. So, had a lot of family history there. My dad wrestled for Loris. Um, my uncle was a, a um, two-time state runner-up for Wallard, I believe, and then went to Iowa for a bit and transferred to Warburg and won two titles under Millboy there. So, um, that connection uh, with uh, Coach Miller and Millboy was part of the reason I ended up at Loris as well. So. Yeah, I had a lot of family history here. Yeah, and you got you have another uncle that's a head coach down at Fort Madison. Yep. Was he a state qualifier? Um, I believe he was. Uh, I don't know. He wrestled at the University of Iowa for like four years before he finished up at Loris, I know. So he was a good wrestler. Okay, but. awesome. And then you also have cousins like Nate Speck, who was an NCAA runner-up for Warburg as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's... He's also like the most jack guy I know. Yeah, I mean, is he is he like a physical trainer now? Yeah, yeah I, I saw him a couple months ago too, and I was just like, "Geez, how old are you? 
40. Wow. <laughs> it catches yeah. your eye when you see him. Yeah. And then even like one of your cousins, uh, Jenna, married my, one of my high school coaches, Tommy Andrews, who was a two-time national qualifier. So I feel like Thanksgiving time around the Smith house, there's a lot of wrestling talk. Definitely, yeah. I also have two cousins who are into it. My cousin Teague Smith is at uh, Fort Madison. That's uh, Ryan's son. And then uh, Sam Kennedy is wrestling for Wallert now. So, um, yeah, a lot of wrestling uh, over the holidays. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, you loved wrestling from the moment you were probably born, right? Your dad, at one point even, was the head coach at Edgewood, Colesburg. Yep. And then, did you live in Edgewood, or did you were you born in Wisconsin? I was born in uh, Manchester. Okay. Yeah, so, then I moved to Wisconsin when I think I was two. Okay, and then, right off the gate, man, some illnesses came, came about, kind of derailed your wrestling career. Can we talk about some illnesses that you had? Yeah, when I was like... Five, we were on a camping trip and I got bit by um, a deer tick. So I had like um, a bullseye rash, they call it, which is like one of the, the primary signs of Lyme disease. Um, and then after that, I just struggled with like every symptom of Lyme disease. Like my um, skin would tingle, my face was like all droopy, I was really fatigued, and um, it kept me on and off the mat. I mean, really, all through, even in high school, it was a problem. Um, uh, in middle school, I started dealing with all these stomach problems and like throwing up like, I mean, crate like 20 times a day plus. Um, it was pretty wild. Um, but then the, the older I got, the more I kind of grew out of it. And by the time I got to college, I really figured out a lot of things in terms of nutrition and sleep and taking care of myself on a daily basis that really helped me kick it. Yeah, uh, I was talking to your mom actually to get some info about this. And she said that you got a gift uh when you were struggling with this illness from the iowa hawkeyes yeah and a letter from coach gable uh do you remember that letter at all or for sure i have it framed in my room still um it was really cool and uh i believe mark balwig organized that who um wrestled at waverly shell rock and then iowa and his cousin um brett balwig wrestled at sock prairie with under my dad so uh, i think mark organized that which was really nice yeah they got me two t-shirts signed by like metcalf and Randy Lewis and all my favorite uh, Hawkeyes and a letter from Gable. Okay. Back then, you know, Metcalf was the dog. So getting that getting that autograph at a young age probably fired you up. It the did. Bo- Balwick boys are awesome. I've, I've, I've hung out with them a few times, and uh, they're just good people. So for them to organize that, that just makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got into high school. Your dad was your coach. And then also your little brother was on the team as well. You know, talk about that dynamic. Obviously, like we said, you're you're part of a big wrestling family, but to have your dad as a coach, you know, I just talked to Braden Burt uh, a couple weeks ago. He talks about it where you know it's definitely a different dynamic. But for you, was it uh, was it a weird dynamic, or it was just one of these things like, nope, we are wrestling, and dad is coach, and dad is dad. Yeah, I mean, it was. I we would. He was always like my dad like when we were in the wrestling room I wouldn't call him coach or anything like that I would call him dad you know and he also understood that I needed other coaches like supplemental coaches just because when you're younger there's something about like being coached by your dad you're just rebellious sometimes you don't want to listen so he understood that hearing it from other voices was helpful but um yeah we he was my main wrestling partner every day and, and same with Zeke um him and my dad would wrestle every day and um yeah it was me and him have always had a, a good relationship, especially when it comes to wrestling. So 
I thought it was helpful. Um, and then we could, like after the duels, we would stay up late talking about, you know, what went down and what we needed to do going forward. So Yeah, your dad has always seemed like a guy that, you know, he, he's just very calm about the sport of wrestling. You know, you ra- you rarely see him get fired up in a match. He, he just it seems like every time that I've ever seen him watch you guys compete, he's very cool hand Luke. He just, just kind of sits and kind of breaks it all down in his head, it seems like. Your mom, on the other hand, <laughs> your mom wrestles like half the match for you she sometimes, does. it seems like. But that's like all moms. I mean, right. honestly, like, so and I've always thought it was really fun just to see how your family has always just been really locked in to the sport. And they, I mean, how many how many events did you think they ever missed of yours in college even? Like, I felt like they were at a, almost everything. Yeah, I mean, Zeke was still wrestling in high school, um, my freshman and sophomore year in college. So my dad was still the head coach, but then he stepped down as head coach when Zeke graduated. And I don't know if they missed anything after that. Um, pretty much were there for everything. And same with my sister's volleyball career. They were there for pretty much all of her events. So, yeah, appreciate that. Oh, for sure. Parents, they go a long way, man. Sure. So your high school career, four-time state qualifier, three-time placer, you know, pretty solid career. Were you guys big division, small division? We were the biggest division. Yeah. Okay, because you guys are just outside Madison, right? Yep. Okay. So what places did you all take in high school? I got sixth, fifth, and fifth. Um, didn't have great tournaments. My I think my junior year I was probably ranked second. My senior year I was definitely ranked first. And, um kind of choked but <laughs> either way yeah it was a it was a good career for sure obviously it led you on to a college career and we're going to talk about that here right after the break so sit tight we'll be right back with wrestling and all other sports injuries happen but have you ever considered an all-natural way to aid in those injuries Lori Gravel from Happiness on the Hill can help you get the products you need to get over those pains in an all-natural way. Lori owns and operates her own hops farm in Otta Creek, Iowa. The hops she picks are then made into medicinal products. These medicinal products, like the Hopped Up Oil or the Hoppy Bod Deep Muscle Rub, can help with nerve pain, muscle pain, joint pain, arthritis pain, headaches, migraines, bone-on-bone pains, and so many more. So give Lori a call today at 563-590-2277 and tell her Worm sent you. She'll give you a 10% discount off your first order. There's a reason powder coating has such a great reputation for strength, durability, and beauty. It can transform metal surfaces into long-lasting finishes, able to withstand heavy use and harsh environmental conditions. At Lane's Custom Steel, they have been offering custom powder coating solutions to businesses and individuals since 2019. Their skilled team of professionals are dedicated to providing you high-quality finishes that will last you for many years. Contact Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's L-A-N-E-Z steel at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we're back with Eddie Smith. Uh, he just talked about his high school career and his family here in Dubuque. And in 2016, you graduated high school. And you were recruited by Randy Stewart and TJ Miller. And But when you got here, Stu took off to take a job down in Georgia. I know that was like one of his lifetime goals. And when he told me that um, he was leaving, he was, you know, pretty beat up about it. Cause one of the biggest things was you, he was, he was like so excited to have you come in. Cause like he was one of the guys that was pretty much, rec- was he recruiting you a lot of it? Or was it a lot of TJ? It was a lot of TJ, but Stu was, uh, I got to meet him and he would like send letters to my house and like, uh, he sent a, a Loris hat and, 
Yeah, I always remember that. And I remember how highly everybody talked about Stu, and I was sad I didn't get to have him as a coach ever. Yeah, Stu's, I mean, in my opinion, I have a short list of people in my life that I consider fatherhood status. Like, obviously, my dad, my stepdad, um, my high school coach, Dale Andrews, and Stu. And those four people, what they tell me is scripture. So, like, when he left, I obviously, I was pretty beat up about that. But at the same time... We got Loris as an alumni. We got some fresh blood in with TJ Miller and Trevor Kittleson. How was that adjustment? I mean, obviously, there. I don't think there probably was an adjustment for you because they were new right at the same time you were. Right. But if you ask any of your teammates, there was probably it was probably like extreme makeover wrestling edition. So talk about your freshman year a little bit about like just like the preseason every aspects of it. Yeah, it was really interesting because a lot of the guys were upset about Stu leaving, and you know I was just coming in, and like I said, TJ had kind of recruited me, so um, I was. It wasn't too weird for me that he was the head coach because he had been leading up the recruiting, but everyone else was pretty upset um, about Stu leaving. Yeah, but um, yeah, we we a lot of things changed in that off season. You know, my freshman year, like. The guys were really starting to get focused. It hadn't been a great year the year before, and they were, you know, looking forward and wanting to take things a step up. And I think recognized that we had a good freshman class. So and you guys definitely did. Uh, looking at back at your record, right off the gate, your freshman year, I think the first probably four or five matches, I think you took third of the Platteville Open as a freshman, and then. I think I got second. Okay, second. I apologize. <laughs> oh, you lost to uh, Platteville's... Uh, John Gatz. Yeah, G- yeah, John Gatz. He's a beast. And the next weekend, you guys are wrestling up at the University of Dubuque Duels. And the big matchup at the time was supposed to be Ross Lembeck, who transferred from the University of Iowa to Loras, versus Logan Hermson uh, from Stevens Point, who was a returning national champ. Last minute decision, TJ and Kittleson decided to put you at 165... Or, I think Stevens Point bumped up Hermson to 74. That's it. I apologize. Yeah. So he they bump him up to 74, and true freshman, you go dog on him, hit a big five at the edge, and then end up beating a returning national champ seven to five. Tell me about that match, how, how that shot up your confidence. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> I remember um, like my whole family was there. Um, like my, my uncle Tom, my uncle Ryan and all their kids, uh, Teague and Mara, who, uh, my cousin Mara is also in wrestling. I forgot to give her a shout out earlier, so I want to bring her up, but they were all there. My, my high school mentor, Austin Foger, and I'm like, man, I, now I got to wrestle the undefeated national champ and all these people came here and they're going to watch me lose. And grandma and grandpa in the stands Grandma and too. grandpa, yeah. And, we went out there, and the guy was kind of hanging out in the body lock position. I was like, well, I'm pretty good at this position. I might as well send it. And was, was able to get a big throw there and then got him in a fireman's, too. So, yeah, that's when I realized I could compete with anyone at that level. And you definitely did. Uh, your freshman year, you went into the national or you went into the regional tournament. I believe you were the were you the three seed? Um, something like that. I was probably more like the five or six. There were some good kids there, but yeah, ended up in the third place match. Yeah, and you you took you took a loss to not make it to the national tournament your freshman year. Pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, did 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 it break your heart right away, or was it just one of those things like, now I'm a freshman. This is I'm right where I need to be. I just gotta keep chipping away. Yeah, that year was hard. I would say. 
I wasn't doing all the right things that year. Um, and the kid I lost to to go to nationals was pretty good. I had beaten him twice earlier um, and then kind of lost the heartbreaker. But there were good kids in that bracket like Jake Voss, who I ended up placing ahead of. So I wasn't as heartbroken that year. And then going to nationals and watching Clint Lembeck and Guy Patron place, I was that's when it really sunk in. Like, oh, wow, I, I want to be there doing that. And then the next year when I failed to qualify, that was when it was – well, yeah, when we were just just moving into that your sophomore year, you're twenty four and six. You had a great year. You took some losses to Mike Ross from Warburg. You took a, a loss to um I believe you also took a loss to BJ Kirkhoff from B V. That would have been my junior, junior. I lost okay. to, definitely lost to Lucas Jeske from Augsburg. That's it, Lucas Jeske. Okay, I apologize there. Um so you missed out on going to Nationals again. That first year you you just said Okay, you were right where you need to be, but you 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 know you wanted to be there with Clinton guy, and then your sophomore year again twenty four and six, and you take fifth that year. Did the panic button? Do you feel like you needed to hit the panic button, or was this one of those things like again keep chipping away? I didn't even know how to. I don't even know how to explain how I felt because that was like. You know, my freshman year, I knew I wasn't doing all the right things. You know, and I necessarily didn't. I didn't necessarily think like I deserved to be there, but after that, I made the decision like I'm gonna go hard and practice every day. I was doing two days like all summer, um, just like grinding my butt off. And then to not place again, it was like, what do I, what do I even need to do here? You know, I, I put in all this effort and I ended up placing fifth. I placed lower. I was like, you know, you start telling yourself all this stuff like, did I get worse? Um, and then you know, there was really no choice. Like the more I thought about it, the more crazy I would go in my head. I just had no choice, but to kind of let it go, you know, and, and realize that it is ultimately just a sport, you know, and I can put everything into it, but, um, yeah, I can't overthink it and it doesn't define wrestling doesn't necessarily define me um, as a person. It does in some ways, but you know, life moves on despite wrestling. So that, that sophomore loss really, really helped change my mindset going forward in wrestling and, and for life in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, you just hit the nail on the head there. I feel like a lot of times wrestlers do encapsulate it being their whole life. And when you, I think when you hit that realization that it's just a part of your life and it's not really – it doesn't need to be the forefront or the only have-all, be-all. If you're not successful, then it's the end of the world maybe that probably did make things go a lot better going into your junior year. Because your junior year, then all of a sudden, Loris gets some transfers. Guys like Jacob Krakow and Brandon Murray come in, and that just hyped your game up. I remember like one summer afternoon, I went to drop something off at Loris, and I got there, and you and Krakow are just hand-fighting. You guys are just hand-fighting in the middle of Graber. And I went, and I'm talking to Kittleson and I'm talking to TJ and I think like 30 minutes goes by. I don't know if you guys have caught on yet. I'm a talker. So 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, well, I got to get going. And I walk out and you guys are still hand fighting. (laughs) So your junior year having those guys, definitely iron sharpens iron, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was huge having uh, Chow and Murray and you know, we would go together every day and Murray would be the kind of guy, like if you were going to go, if you're going to take a day off that day and go with someone who wasn't as good, he'd be like, nah, you're going with me. And 
you know, by the time, by the time regionals rolled around, I just felt ready. Like nobody I'm going to wrestle is going to be better than my partners. Well, your well, your junior year, the first match of the season, you're wrestling Brad Kirkhoff. I just brought up his name from BV, and he taken out. Yeah, that I mean, that's got to be one of those things. Like, man, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm training right. My first match, I take an L. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a reset button there, or was it just like, nope, just an L. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that one was at that point. I was pretty. Well, I was better at taking losses than I had been. I, I got to give a shout-out to Guy. I remember Guy Patron came up after that match and gave me a pep talk, and he's like, you know, this won't even this won't even matter in the future. And Also, with that match, I had five minutes and 30 seconds of riding time and managed to lose. Um, so I felt like I dominated the match and just did some things strategically. So it was more like, okay, I need to make some strategic adjustments, you know, in order to make sure that I'm not beating the crap out of guys and then somehow losing on points. Um, so it, it was a, it was a helpful match to lose because it helped me adjust some things, especially with my top games. I was riding legs and they called me for stalling. Um, and I think that's how I ended up losing. But one, one of the biggest arguments I have is when people say you're stalling with the legs and it's like, <laughs> no, you're, you're working. Like that's, that's, that's a working position. Like right. that is, you know, but that's, that's a ref's discretion. And I would probably assume it was, uh, stall as the ref, but that's a, <laughs> that's a conversation we don't need to talk about. But but after that, you went gangbusters. Um, I think you took a loss to uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Apps from Augsburg yeah. that year. But other than that, I mean, I don't think you you took too many losses. You go into the regional tournament and you went off like you had you had a tournament of a lifetime, and you actually beat Kirkoff, who beat you nine zero in the regional finals to win the regional, you know, mm-hmm. was that beating him in their 9-0 just showed you like, wow, that gap from beginning of the season to now, or I knew I was that good. And I just had, I just wrestled a better match that day. Yeah, I was sort of, it felt good, you know, like started the year losing that to that guy and then, you know, end the regional tournament by kind of putting it on him. But I mean, I remember going into that regional tournament, I wasn't thinking about, you know, rankings. I wasn't thinking about who I had to wrestle. I was thinking every match is going to be really, really hard. And I'm going to go in like prepared for a war. The The hardest match was my semifinals to Ben Hewson from Cornell, who had beat me in the semis the year before. He, I knew he was always really good. I think I beat him by a riding time point in the duel. Um, and we had a really close match at regionals, but I was just prepared for it. You know, like the years I had lost at regionals, it had been in overtime, and I had gotten flustered. And the, that year, there was just no getting flustered. I just went out and wrestled hard and didn't stop. Pretty sure you had a really good motivational speech before that tournament with with me. Yes, beforehand. <laughs> um, but that's just a, that's an inside joke, there, guys. Um, but you guys show up to the national tournament. You take fourth, all American. The team takes second place. Let's talk about that national tournament, man. I mean, before that, Loris probably didn't place higher than fifth, and you guys come home with the tro- with a trophy. You know, let's let's talk about that run. That was a good run that year. Yeah, that was an incredible experience. Just being there with all my buddies and coaches, and yeah, we just had such a good team that year. <laughs> I mean, we were from top to bottom, man. I mean, you think about it. I mean, Bryce Everson bumps off a national champ that season. You know, you had Guy take second, you take fourth, Murray took fifth, 
Fourth. Fourth. I think, I think he yeah. lost to Cross Canone twice. Yeah. And then uh, Chow also took... Seventh or something? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So five, five All-Americans on a team that qualified seven. Pretty impressive run. 2020... We Loris rolls in ranked number one or two in the country and probably one of the better seasons that people will ever talk about because although your season probably wasn't the best for a guy that took fourth, you were 17 and six, but more importantly, you were pretty beat up your senior year. Uh, you want to talk about the injuries that you had your senior year? Yeah, I mean, I was, I never got x-rayed or any or I mean I never got an MRI so I don't know what happened but I was just dealing with some knee issues but um yeah I felt really good going into the national tournament but <laughs> we'll never know yeah and but before you guys got to the national tournament you guys had a date with Warburg up in Waverly and that night I think people will probably never forget uh it was the first time Loris and Warburg were ranked one and two in the country both, I mean, obviously going for Warburg's 27th Iowa, or ARC, or conference title. Bump them off. End up, getting, end up beating Warburg at their house. You want to talk about that night? Yeah, that was wild. I mean, it's kind of mixed emotions for me because I ended up losing my match in a, <laughs> a close one. I ended up getting cradled and giving up four. I think losing by a point. But, yeah, Murray ended up getting a pin. They cut his guy and threw him. Um, guy ended up scoring big points and yeah it was just crazy I mean we knew we had the ability to do it but it was always and there was always that like aura of mystique when it came to Warburg um, but yeah we were able to get over the hump that night and break their streak especially especially like you said your uncle was a two-time national champ for Warburg you you grew up around Warburg as much as you grew up around Loris so even though you took that L that night it still was very probably a euphoric feeling of like we're 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 pretty much untouchable right you'd say as a team yeah i mean it's hard for me to say because i lost <laughs> so <I'm, laughs> yeah i'm sorry I, I, I was more just like let, let me get to regionals um but uh yeah we, we knew that if we wrestled our best we were gonna win a national title and then you know at regionals we we beat warburg again um by mm -hmm. a hand pretty handily so and you guys won the regional title getting ready getting ready for the 2020 national tournament there's rumblings going around that uh covid is is starting to take over the country and people are starting to panic and they were all of a sudden i want to say probably that monday they're talking just just parents or like a select handful of te or teams only get a certain amount of tickets they were gonna, you know, spread it out, but you guys all thought, no, we're still wrestling. Then you guys get down Thursday. Let's talk about Thursday. Tough day, but let's talk about it. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was concerned earlier in the week that they were gonna cancel the tournament because I had heard what was going on with COVID. But then I figured once we got there, you know, like they had said, we'll have limited seating, but. You know, you guys are going to have the tournament. I mean, the kids were literally warming up on the mat were you, when they canceled it. Were you warming up? We were in the hotel room, so we were down to weigh, getting ready to go work out, and we have our team meeting. And then we leave our team meeting, and one minute later, Coach Miller texts us and says, come back to the room. I'm like, well, that's 
really weird and you just said the tournament's off and everybody started like weeping it was uh it was like someone died or something i hate comparing it to that because it's not like someone died but it was it was but hard at the time, to swallow yeah but at the time you know i i go back to what john really and one of your former coaches at Loris said talking about that tournament it's like reading the best book that you've ever read in your life and just as you're getting to the last chapter of it someone takes the book and sets the book on fire before he could even finish it. Yep. You know. And so because of that, you lose your last chance of going to the Nationals. Everyone else the next year gets a year of eligibility, but you don't. Guy doesn't. Murray doesn't. Chow doesn't. Or no, Chow did. But those that, that core group of seniors that you guys had, you guys lost your guys' only chance. Do you feel like that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Because I've heard people, there's, my opinion is this. I always said the national qualifiers, because D1, D2, D3 all qualified. They had their qualifiers. I personally believe that all the seniors that qualified for that national tournament should have got the year. Because obviously right now we're four years out from it and we still have guys using their COVID years. Where if they would have used just the seniors who or the national qualifiers to get their extra year, I don't think you have this issue. How do you feel about that situation? I think it was botched by the NCAA. I mean, I don't know what they would have lost with giving us an extra year of eligibility. But then they give the the next year when the kids got, it was a, sort of a mini national tournament, but the next year the kids got the NWCA Nationals, and they got an extra year of eligibility. But, I mean, we all know the NCAA doesn't care about the student-athletes. They care about making money off the student-athletes. So it was no surprise to see that organization botch that because they botch just about everything they do. Understandable. And, obviously, there's obviously some love lost there with the NCAA. <laughs> the NCAA. They gave me a paperweight, though. Thanks, guys, for the paperweight. Oh, that makes up for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but then, so moving on, though, you know, your your folk style career is over. You get into Greco. Where did your passion for Greco come from? Um, I always wrestled Greco. I think my dad didn't love Greco growing up, so, of course, I had to do it to, to be rebellious. But um, I always did, um, always did it growing up, and I would place higher in the Greco than I did in the freestyle, and... I remember I had a match with Austin O'Connor, who ended up being a, um, a Division One national champ for uh, North Carolina. And we wrestled in freestyle, and he teched me 10-0. And then we wrestled in Greco, and it was a... I can't remember the score, but it was a fairly close match. I did fairly well. I'm like, okay, maybe this could be my thing. So did Fargo two years. I was coached by uh, Scott Arneson and Matt Jawaska, um, who's now the Whitewater coach. And... They kind of helped me get a love for Greco, and then in college, uh, it was John O'Rillian, uh, Coach Jono, who was like, you want to do U23s and stuff like that, and then he was my Greco coach for the next few years, which was really awesome um, doing that. So Yeah, because was, did you train with Sam Jones for a while at all, or? I never did. Um, I think guy and him are pretty close but yeah sam's the man he's a good dude yeah i just saw a group of uh dwc guys went out to colorado and trained and i saw yeah. i saw he was in the picture too and i was like oh man like sam i mean once john said sam was his guy he immediately becomes my guy to watch and to cheer for 
So when I saw him out there too, I was like, oh man, like that's a great opportunity for our DWC guys. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But so after, so after, um, you know, your college career and you got into the Greco scene, was that just more like, I just have this itch to keep competing or no, I just really like Greco and I want to pursue it. Yeah, both. I feel like my senior year, I kind of, after the COVID thing happened and I mean, everything was shut down, but like, I kind of got a break, you know, which I needed. I had not really taken a break from wrestling for eight years or whatever. And like you said, my senior year, my knees were kind of given out on me. Um, but yeah, after that break, I, you know, kind of started getting back into it and, um, um, found some good partners to go with and, you know, Guy Patron has been able to travel with me to all this stuff. So I've always had him to do it with and, you know, yeah. Then a couple of years ago, I'm like, all right, I might as well, if I'm, I might as well go all out and really try training for this thing. If I'm, you know, cause you only have so much of a window to do it. Um, so that's how I look at it. I mean, a lot, I know a lot of people are like done with wrestling by the time they get done with college, but I, I really love it. And it's the Greco, I feel like is easier on my knees as well. Yeah. And you know, with, with Greco and being able to, for luckily the nice thing about the one of the silver lines of COVID was it seemed like for a while, like two or three years, all the trials were taking place in Iowa city. So you only had to travel an hour to go compete yeah. at the highest levels. And during that time you ended up six times, you've been all American six times already in both the U S open and the trials. Yeah, between U23s, I think I got third, third, and fourth at U23s, and then um, fifth, seventh, and seventh at the the U.S. Open. Um, but yeah, it was in Coralville every year at, during COVID. That was freaking awesome at the Extreme Arena. I wish they, I wish it was still that. Now we got to travel to Vegas and stuff. But yeah, and and because of that, obviously Greco is such a niche style of wrestling for those that don't know greco is all upper body you can't really do anything with the legs not a lot of guys around the area train so you've had to go travel around to get you know fairly decent workouts and coaches can you talk about some of your travel experiences like where you've gone to train and some of that during those times yeah it's interesting and i mean if you hear like brandon paulson or dennis hall talk about it like it's been this way with u.s greco for 30, 40 years, like you just kind of have to travel around and find people who do it, find training partners, which, you know, we're trying to make it so there are more training opportunities and that's what we need in order to put U.S. Greco on the map or get it to where it needs to be. We need more better training situations, but it's also kind of fun. I've gone up to combat um, in Blue River, Wisconsin and trained with Lucas Stell. Uh, shout out to him. He's awesome. Just went to the Minnesota Storm uh, last week and spent the week up there training with Pat Smith and Fritz Sherrill and guys like that. Um, and yeah, now splitting time between Dubuque Wrestling Club and then the Dubuque RTC with Dennis Hall. Um, so yeah, just literally going wherever I can uh, to find partners and coaches. And um, yeah, now that I've been able to do that and get some, get some real mat time with Greco, I feel like I'm making some strides. Yeah. Definitely. And then uh, just within the last month or two, uh, you have recently taken over uh, the head coaching um, the head coaching position at Dubuque Wrestling Club. Let's talk about Dubuque Wrestling Club for a little bit. I know you've been, you're pretty excited about it, um, especially being wanting to be the head coach of it. What's your goals with the club? 
Yeah, my goal is to grow it and to provide as many opportunities as we can for kids in the Dubuque area to wrestle. Um, you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, wherever. Um, we've got a lot of good kids like uh, um, Mitchell Murphy's one of them that comes to mind who are just like grinding right now every day. Mitchell Pins is another one who's uh, just had a tore his ACL unfortunately, but. Yeah, I just want to grow it and get those guys more good partners and get them more opportunities like what Coach Kelly did taking those kids down to Colorado this week was really awesome. Um, we want to provide more travel opportunities and, yeah, just make it a, a premier club where people can go and train. And I also, one of my, I've, I've noticed a lot of the clubs lately are doing no uh, walk-ins or, or no drop-ins where they don't, you have to join the club to to show up at practice and I think that's a little bit silly. I'd like to, you know, if, if kids want to drop in and, and train with us, I'd love that. You know, I just want to provide wrestling opportunities for the kids, not milk the kids and their parents for money. <laughs> for sure. And, you know, obviously this year, you know, we sat down and there's going to be a lot of opportunities, you know, across the board. You know, you, you just talk about the high school guys with Freestyle and Greco, but also you're going to offer a beginner's program and a girls only program. You know, let's talk about the beginner's program because I know there's some parents out there that are listening that are still wrestling fans that that want to get their kids involved, but they don't want to get them involved in a high-level club right away. So, like, in the beginner's club, like, what are we going to be discussing or offering these parents that want to get their kids out for wrestling? Yeah, we'll just make it one day a week. It won't be long, you know, probably play a game and then just, like, teach kids the basics of wrestling and help them fall in love with the sport um that'll be on Sundays once a week uh yeah that's one thing my dad instilled in me is like you know you want to do the best you can in wrestling but nobody's special every single person on the team matters and we want to bring everybody into the sport that we can because you know not everybody's going to be a national champ but the sport changes people's lives you know it improves their lives so we want to provide a, a beginner course that helps bring kids in and develop them and then if they want to start doing the other practices and try and take it to the next level then then that's ideal and you plan on coaching a lot of the youth tournaments you plan on you know you i know you're telling me like one of the things that you want to really do is even kind of implement some greco technique into folk style how does that work for the most part i mean because a lot of people like that even just have like a broad stroke of greco just think headlock city right you know and that's not the case at all because if that was the case you'd just be seeing headlocks in every greco match but that is far from the case how would you transition greco technique into folk style yeah it was something that i had to do a lot in college because obviously i was training greco all off season and had to get back into folk style and the folk style season would roll around but it, a lot of it comes down to hand fighting understanding how to move your opponent and then um jacking guys up into underhooks and when they bury their heads snapping them into front headlocks so we had a couple of kids uh dawson fish and mitchell murphy went out to fargo this year and did pretty well in greco um they did pretty well at the iowa state tournament too um so they've been training greco all summer and now i want to help them turn that into folk style you know work on those skills that they learn work on those underhook skills their two-on-ones their front headlocks um those greco techniques and help them implement those in their folk style game awesome and i'm very excited for you i know um i'm still going to be helping out a little bit and i'm just really excited to have you uh running run practices and you know tr basically trying to help grow wrestling in dubuque because that's something that dubuque wrestling club has always been about 
is more about the idea of, hey, trying to make every program in the area better. And for the most part, across the board, you're, you've been around Dubuque long enough, you're seeing those gains a lot of these schools are making already. So, um, you know, we're not trying to isolate kids or trying to be like, oh, we're going to get all these kids and we're going to send them to one school. No, the goal is everyone gets better. And that was the same goal that Coach Stu started, you know, back when your uncles were even probably competing at Dubuque Wrestling Club back in the 90s. Absolutely. Yep, that's the goal. And I mean, I got buddies and teammates at got Zach Thompson at, at Cascade. I got Sam Schuler at West Dubuque. Um, Luke said the check at Wallard and then some buddies at Hempstead too, you know, so it's, I have no preference. I want to, want to help all those schools get better and senior as well with uh, Healy running that program now. So absolutely. I'm excited to have all those guys here on the podcast here in the coming weeks. Uh, just wrapping up, man, Eddie, thank you so much for coming in. I always leave with one question out of all the years that you've competed from the time you were, how old were you when you first started competing? <sighs> Kindergarten. Okay, kindergarten till twenty six years old. What's a fair pair of shoes you ever wore? Oh, ah, uh, I really like Rulons. Rulons are nice. I had this pair of Rulons that had gotten faded, so somebody stitched a Nike swoosh onto them. So it was limited edition, the only pair in the universe, Nike Rulons. Actually, I'm gonna call BS on that because I knew you were gonna bring that up. There were some, there were some kids in, around the area growing up, even that would do that too. And I always scratch my head. I'm like, no, because <laughs> prior cool. to last, prior, I was say prior, like, prior from the last five or six years, and this is gonna upset if Grant Turner's out there listening. One of my buddies that works at Nike Wrestling, I apologize, but about six years before, you know, before six years ago, Nike was, you know, the bastard child of wrestling, you know. A lot of people blame Nike for dropping Oregon wrestling, and all of a sudden now Nike's got this huge comeback. So like when they were, everyone was doing the doing the swoosh on the Asics. I used to they used to just blow my mind. I'm like, no, stop doing that. <laughs> but Eddie, man, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate this. Um, you're the man. And if you guys are all curious about Dubuque Wrestling Club, uh, like it on Facebook. Um, we'll have more information here. Eddie will be starting practices. September 5th. Yeah, September 5th at Graber on uh, Loris College starting at 630. Yeah. Uh, bring bring a partner, bring or just show up, and we'll get some partners in for you, and we'll all get better at wrestling. So, Eddie, anything to say before we go? Nope, I can't wait. Uh, let's get after it. That was an awesome interview with Eddie Smith. For a guy who sounded pretty laid back in his interview, the man is very passionate about the sport of wrestling. Uh, you can tell just how he talks about from his early beginnings of wrestling to uh, currently tracing a 2024 spot on the Greco team for the Olympics this year. It's really exciting stuff. It was kind of funny. In the podcast, I did say something about kind of having an off year or a disappointing year. And I started looking into that record, and turns out it was not disappointing at all. He beat Braden Burt, who was just on the podcast last week, uh, who was a two-time NCAA champion his senior year. He beat Dempsey King, who was a returning runner-up. And of those losses that he had, he lost to Max Forsyth, who was was a uh, national runner-up and a two-time All-American. Ryan Epps, who currently, I believe last year, was a final ex-Greco runner-up. Uh, he lost to Lucas Jeske that year, who was a two-time national champion by one point. You know, he lost to Kyle Hatch, who also uh, lost to Braden Burt, 
Braden's senior year. So although his record, like I said in the podcast, might have been disappointing when you actually look at the, the guys he was wrestling, the quality of losses definitely outweigh uh, the record itself. So very excited for Eddie, I hope. Nothing but the best for him this season as he is training again to make the 2024 Greco team. He is also, the fact that he's taken over uh, Dubuque Wrestling Club is something very exciting, I believe, in Dubuque. I think he is a great coach for young athletes. I think he is uh, very coach-oriented. He's very personable. And if you guys are very curious about how he is as a coach, uh, we have our DWC stuff on all social media platforms. If you guys just want to look at that, uh, we'll have our schedules in there. You'll find out when practices are. Before we leave, just want to give you guys a friendly reminder to follow me on Instagram at WormsWayIn on Instagram and also give a like to the Dubuque Area Sports Podcast on Facebook. There you'll see all of our content on the Facebook page. You'll see uh, all of our other podcasts when their episodes drop as well. I'll also have some new merch dropping this week. Uh, some hats, I believe, some t-shirts and some stickers. I'll have uh, the pricing info on my social, at Worms Weigh In on Instagram. So closing things up here, I want to thank you guys for joining me as always. You guys are awesome. This is Worm. I'll talk to you later. Before we go, I just want to take a big shout out again to Raider Outdoor Power. Whether you're looking for mowers, snowblowers, garden tractors, or UTVs, the great people at Raider Outdoor Power will have you covered. Stop in at 2580 Rockdale Road, and one of their great sales staff will get you set up with some of the best equipment and top-of-line service you can expect from a company who has helped the Dubuque County area since 1957. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring the podcast. Also want to give one last big shout-out to Lane's Custom Steel in Benton, Wisconsin. Email Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's lanes, L-A-N-E-Z, custom steel at gmail.com. He'll set you up with a quote for all your custom power coding needs.